Good evening and happy holidays to everyone out there. Uh, the date is Thursday, December 7th, or not 7, 17th, which actually marks the day when man first took powered flight. That's right. In 1903, I don't know how many years ago, what is that, 117 years ago, Wilbur and Orville Wright built a beautiful mechanical bird out of just their pure imagination and basically what they had seen of some dude over in Europe using a glider to fly. And they were the first humans to ever fly. Now, that has got to be the greatest achievement in modern history. Right? And guess who it was by? Two American brothers. Now, we today thrive on a world that is built around airplanes. And oh, what a beautiful world that is. There are beautiful machines, right? You got jet engines, turbojets, you have ramjets, you have turbo ramjets, you have turbo fans. There's so many different types of jet engines. You have turbojets, or not turbojets, turboprops too. Let me not leave you guys out. But our entire world changed and started to become much, much closer the day they first took that powered flight. And so, maybe look back and reflect on the great achievement that was the first powered flight there in Kitty Hawk, Pennsylvania. Now, let's talk about the future of flight. I'm kind of winging this one. This is just one stream of consciousness right here coming together. The future of powered flight. Now, these big jet airliners, they're pretty efficient nowadays. But you know what's not efficient? Taking off. They just dump fuel basically to take off. You, you gotta get a, you have to have a pretty hefty amount of energy to get a plane full of people in suitcases up into the air. You need that speed to get that lift. And that's where basically the majority of airplane emissions comes from. And somehow, it is 2020, and we have not solved that, although we could. Now, I want to talk about ways we can. First off, you have hybrid airplanes. I was seeing stuff about this, where you have smaller engines on the airplane used for takeoff, right? Basically, electric engines for takeoff. And then once you get in the air, bam, whip on those turbo fans, and you don't have that dumped fuel anymore. Instead, you just dump it in the into the atmosphere. I'm just kidding. But that's one way you could do it. This is the problem, though. How are you going to have enough batteries for that? It's going to add ex tons of weight to the plane. And if you add weight, obviously, you're not going to be carrying as much people. And you are not going to be carrying as much luggage or fuel even for that. It could cut the range in the name of efficiency and uh, in the name of pollution. So, personally, I don't think technology should ever take a step back when it has to go forward. I think technology should be matured before it is given to the public like that. But, there's one way we can solve this both. And let me tell you one thing right now. It's not batteries. You know I'm not a huge fan of lithium-ion batteries, because I don't think they're the future. I'm sorry to tell you Tesla guys that. And if you want to come after me, do it. I'm not afraid of you and your Tesla. 
because guess what? I'm just going to go to a gas station. Sorry. But this is what we can do, right? You got high hydrogen-powered airplanes. It's still an electric, still electric uh, turbofans, whatever you... Electric ducted fans, technically, I guess, is what you'd call them for all those nerds out there. But electric ducted fans for planes. Instead of using batteries, hydrogen is the answer. I'm telling you right now. It's perfect. It is perfect for airplanes. Fuel cells are perfect for airplanes, especially if you have a hybrid airplane, because then you're not using the fuel cell all the time. Plus, fuel cell, guess what? You need compressors to run a lot of air through it. When you're in the air, going 500 miles an hour, you're not going to need a compressor to compress air. All you got to do is open up, par open up like basically, let's call it a hood scoop on a plane. I don't know the technical term for it in aerospace, the industry. I'm sorry, all you aerospace guys out there. If you're yelling at your computer, yell at it some more. I might hear you. But basically have a hood scoop on the plane that cool, not cools, but force feeds air into this fuel cell to create electricity, right? That's a pretty complicated process. I don't really know a ton about it. I'm not going to lie to you. I've only seen a fuel cell a handful of times, even though I'm always around them. I've never actually got hands-on experience with a fuel cell. But it is very, very cool. It's made up of layers of PEMs. PEMs is a proton exchange membrane, right? That's where the electricity comes from. Hydrogen goes in. Oxygen also goes in. It doesn't need to be pure oxygen. It can just be ambient air. And uh, they mix, and that reaction you have an exchange of electrons that's where you get electricity from fuel cells and you can get a lot of electricity this way tons of electricity this way it's a i i think it's a very very cool way to generate electricity so that's where i think the future of airplanes is going is hybrid airplanes where you have uh turbo fans and you have ducted fans ducted fans run on electricity Turbofans burn fossil fuels. I personally don't have anything against fossil fuels. I think we need more CO2 in the atmosphere. I mean, guess where all the CO2 is tied up in on the Earth? It's tied in. in uh, all the CO2 is tied in in these fossil fuels, right? So you have to, or not fossil fuels, hydrocarbons. Fossil fuels are hydrocarbons, but hydrocarbons is a much more broad term. So if we want more CO2, to sustain more life because obviously everything on the earth is carbon-based we're gonna have to get co2 out of these hydrocarbons and that means burning fuel so i think there's a future where we have clean we have clean or clean i say in quotation marks uh fuel for you know places like big cities where they are very sensitive to the air because obviously you have hundreds of thousands if not millions of people in these cities of course the air is going to be very densely polluted because obviously there's just a ton of people living there right and so for big cities like that it makes sense to have clean drivetrains like electric drivetrains or natural gas drivetrains but you're out in the country you're in the farmland you're in the mountains guess what there's no charging infrastructure up there and guess what else there's a lot of trees up there you know what trees love? CO2. I bet you guys didn't know that. 
Oh, wait, of course you knew that. It's basic second grade level science. So don't, don't be fooled. Don't let people push an agenda. And if you really want to believe in science, you should look up the real science. That's all I'm going to say. So enough about airplanes. I want to talk about something that really, really gets me excited. Like very, very excited. And that is racing, motorsport. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going fast on the ground. I'm talking about technical driving. I'm talking about technology that trickles down into consumer cars. That's right, motorsport. All right. Porsche announced this week that they are coming for the Le Mans hypercar class, right? They are building another hypercar. I repeat, Porsche is building another hypercar. This has got to be one of the greatest moments of my life up to this date is hearing this news because the last time they built a hypercar was in 2014. That was six years ago. That feels like a lifetime to me because I'm only 20 years old. For all you old guys out there, I don't want to hear about it. This is actually something I get to see, okay? When I was 14, I was just barely learning about cars. Alright. The 918 might as well have been a spaceship. The 918 might as well still be a spaceship. That car is amazing. Just everything about it. I love it. And guess what? Porsche is making a successor to that. I don't know what they're going to call it. Um, I don't know how many they're going to make for the road. Probably less than a 918, obviously. Or honestly, sorry. But they said they were going to be using existing uh, existing uh, engines or something for the main, the, the main motor. And it's going to have a hybrid system, obviously, because that's... That's obviously what we've seen has been the best. And for hypercar regulations, that's the top tier of Le Mans. Well, it is now. They don't have the LMP class anymore. But that is the top tier of Le Mans is the hypercar class. And so you know they're going to have hybrid drivetrains. And they already announced they would with something around like 680 horsepower, which you guys are going to say that's not more than the 918. But I'm sure this car is going to be very, very much lighter. The 918 was like, 3,800 pounds. I'm not going to call that car a pig, but I'm not going to call it a Lotus either. It's 3,800 pounds. It's like, that's like a sedan, basically. That's, it's pretty hefty. And uh, this, I'm sure their hypercar they're going to be putting into Le Mans, this one, it's, I mean, it's a purpose-built racing prototype hypercar. And, uh, I'm sure it's going to be like around 3,000 pounds. It's going to be a couple hundred pounds heavier, at least, or a couple hundred pounds lighter, at least a couple hundred pounds lighter than the 918 was. And uh, they said it's going to use existing power plants. So that could mean a, uh, a flat six, right? Which obviously I think, I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess they're going to use a flat six because it's their best racing engine. Uh, it's the most refined, and uh, they haven't really hybridized it yet, so I think they're going to use the Le Mans, Le Mans hypercar prototype to basically develop an electric drivetrain 
for uh, that flat six that they have. And uh, it's it's really, like, it's not... It's the spiritual successor, I think, to the uh, 911 GT1s, which is the best thing to compare to the new hypercar class. The GT1 class back in the late 90s, I think it went on through the early 2000s, was this same thing as like the hypercar class is now. You have manufacturers that have to make road-going, road-legal cars that compete uh, for these endurance races. And uh, Porsche, they their entry in the 90s was the 911 GT1, the 993 GT1, and then the 996 GT1. And uh, they were both pretty successful. Honestly, I couldn't tell you much about uh, their racing heritage, but some of my favorite cars, uh, it's basically a mid-engine 911, not even basically a mid-engine 911. The only thing that's 911 about it is like the headlights and, uh, the engine. That's it. And on this new Le Mans hypercar, the only thing 911 about it is just going to be the engine, which isn't bad. That flat six is sexy. My pops, he had a C4S, Carrera 4S, uh, and it had that 3.8 flat six in it, which is definitely one of their best motors they've ever made. Uh, they were using that uh, for racing all the way up into like last year, basically, just because it was such a beautifully engineered motor. Now they use the four liter flat six. Uh, so that, but like I was saying, that flat six that they had, the 3.8, man, that thing screamed. That Like I was saying, that was just a, a 4S. It wasn't no GT3 or anything, but that motor was still just, oh. When it revved up, man, it was so loud, and it was just so smooth, and was so responsive. That car was amazing. So, if you've ever driven a Porsche, you could drive a Porsche blindfolded, and you'd still know you're in a Porsche. There's just something about them that make them very special, and they make them very easy to drive. They're very fun. It's just the most German car, like, you can possibly think of as a Porsche, as far as I... That, that's what I think. They're just so refined. And, uh... Porsche's gonna be competing with some big boys in this hypercar class. You've got Aston Martin. They've got their, uh, Valkyrie, which I'm sure you guys have all seen. Or not. But if you haven't, you should look it up, because that car is unreal. It's got a six and a half liter Cosworth V12. It revs to twelve thousand RPM. It's nuts, and it's got a thousand horsepower, and it has no hybrid system on it. It's just pure V12. It's beautiful. That car is amazing. Actually, wait. You know what? I think it does have a hybrid drivetrain. I don't want to. I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm gonna look it up real quick. The Valkyrie. Let's see. Oh, it does have an electric motor. I'm pretty sure the electric motor's on the... Let's see. Yeah, so the, the Valkyrie is hybrid, too. Okay, that would make sense. I guess it is competing in Le Mans. Le Mans hybrid or Le Mans hypercar. Yeah, so you got the Aston Martin Valkyrie that is competing against 
which is beautiful car. It's just stunning. It's, it's the engine is mated to the chassis. There's no engine mounts. The engine is just mounted onto the chassis. So like, it's basically sitting right behind your ass. When it revs up, you you feel it. Like you feel it. You're you're in that car. When you're in that car, you're not texting and driving. You are not like listening to a podcast or something when you're in that car you're just in it and you're driving that's it you're not thinking about anything else besides going really really fast and not crashing it because it's worth a couple million dollars it's scary it's very scary i'm sure i've never driven an Aston martin valkyrie i'm pretty sure max verstappen and then a couple of Aston martin people are the only individuals on the earth that have driven that car so, they're a lucky group, and uh, I would do anything to be in their place right now, honestly, because this car is so lustful. Oh my goodness. Wow. And then, what? who else do we have Porsche competing against? Toyota. That's right. Toyota is building a hypercar. You heard that right. I'm not, and I'm going to say it again, because it's kind of unbelievable. Toyota is going to be building a hypercar. The last thing that Toyota built that was close to a hypercar was the LFA, the Lexus LFA, right? And that car, oh, I saw one just a couple days ago at a dealership. Man, that is an amazing car. And you look at it, and it gives me no doubt in my mind that Toyota has the intellect and has the racing heritage to go up against bat these these big boys like this because they were in the LMP1 class and they did really well. I'm pretty sure they were winning the past couple years, obviously because Porsche dropped out. Don't mean to talk shit, but Toyota has a really good racing team and uh, they've been doing some really good stuff lately. They're just a great automaker, and so you got Toyota competing. You got a uh, Peugeot, their French company. They've got a pretty storied racing heritage and you have audi too porsche's uh, sister company going up they're going up against each other it's like watching siblings fight watching porsche and audi race and uh they've kind of been going at it for a while now but audi was really i'm not gonna lie audi was really dominating the le mans for a while especially the top class when they first came in they just had so much money and they were dominating and when they came in with their diesel drivetrains they were just on the top it was crazy and what i like about those cars is uh like porsche and like all these other automakers that are building hybrids they were using a battery pack to store electricity no not audi <laughs> they really had their thinking caps on they're like a battery no they used a flywheel to store electricity right a flywheel you have mechanical electricity storage, not electrical, electrical storage, mechanical electrical storage. It's pretty cool, right? Or I guess back battery is technically chemical electrical storage. A flywheel is mechanical electricity storage. And it's just this big, not big, I don't, I don't, they're about, they're probably about a foot in diameter, maybe a foot and a half in diameter, this flywheel. And it's inside a vacuum, right? And it's the flywheel is essentially an electric, an electric motor, right? It's that same that same setup 
the way an electric motor works. But it's in a vacuum. It's not actually driving anything. It's just storing kinetic energy. And then when you need the kinetic energy, you have uh, you have the polarity switched. So instead of uh, either just keeping that kinetic energy, it dumps it back in. But then again, you can also like a, put the you put the electrical energy back in, right? And that spins up the flywheel like an electric motor would, but it's not connected to anything. It's just spinning in a vacuum. And then when you need that power, all of that kinetic energy just comes right back and you can draw a ton of electricity from it very quickly. And uh, it's got a much, much, much better life cycle than a battery. It's, it's uh, a lot of times it's much more efficient, especially in racing. When you're when you need to collect as much electricity as quickly as possible, that's the best way to go. And Audi figured that out right away. And so, kudos to them for thinking outside the box. So, I'm excited to see them against Por compete against Porsche and Toyota and Aston Martin, Peugeot. Uh, there's a couple other teams coming in with hypercars. So, we're really coming to an exciting part of the automotive industry right now because we haven't really seen anything that exciting like i mean you have electric cars but i wouldn't exactly call those exciting they don't do anything for me like electric technology has just been around forever the first car was electric people don't realize that the first car was electric and then event it went to internal combustion because batteries that's what i'm saying batteries have never been the answer and people are like oh what if we just started to develop battery technology from that very first car like they basically continued to develop battery technology since then i honestly don't think we'd be that much farther i think it's a it was a much better route to uh to refine the combustion motor for consumer use and we've seen that i mean i don't know how much of a car enthusiast market we would have with nothing but electrical cars running around there would be no passion in the automotive industry if there was no electric cars or if, if we basically continued on with only electric cars from the beginning so shout out to internal combustion shout out to all the dinosaurs that gave their lives to create the best juice in the world we use it for everything we would be nowhere without it and uh racing is the greatest that's where i'm going so that's enough with cars right now that was kind of an overload just a straight spill i don't even know half the shit i just said but i want to talk about controversies now so i had this thing pop in my head the other day i heard it from like alex jones was talking about it and that is uh uh china is developing a moon an artificial moon right it's just a huge satellite up in space that reflects sunlight back onto the earth that's pretty crazy if you ask me and uh it really got me thinking though they they might be onto something because it's like you could use that for a lot of things you know you use that for agriculture 
you could use that for uh, working, right? If you want longer work days, like you're building a city in the middle of nowhere and you want it to be built as fast as possible, all you got to do is put an artificial moon and just focus all of that sunlight onto this uh, onto this area so you have all this light there. And then you're also not drawing electricity from the grid for lights. You just have it there from this satellite, this artificial moon. But, I mean, that kind of sounds like we're playing, playing God a little. And so there's definitely got to be some drawbacks too, right? What about like natural ecosystems and time clocks, right, for these places and animals when they think they're supposed to be sleeping or they think it's specific seasons, but outside it's just this weird hazy light because it's not going to be, it's not going to be like direct sunlight. It's going to obviously be dimmer, but you're going to have all these plants and all these animals and shit that are going to be confused and honestly... I'm not going to say they're going to die off, but they're going to evolve in in very interesting ways. And uh, I, I don't know. They're going to be basically moon animals, fake moon animals. They're going to be seen running around and shit. I'm just kidding. That's probably not going to happen. I'm sure they're not going to build a satellite because they can't even feed their own people. I'm, I'm sorry, not build a satellite, build a fake moon. They probably have thousands of satellites. But, yeah, I think they should focus on feeding their own people first and, you know, maybe not putting Muslims in concentration camps, but that's none of my business. That's communist China for you. That's all I got to say. I could go deep into what they do there because it's not all sh it's not all fun and games. That's a... China's kind of the Wild West over there. They kind of do whatever they want. And uh, I don't even want to know the medical experience, experiments that go on there. But that's all about that uh, artificial satellite that's, that they want to basically have be an artificial moon. I don't think it's a good idea. But I don't, I'm not saying they shouldn't try it. They definitely should try it just in the name of science or something. Man, that's all I really want to say tonight. I know this is kind of a short podcast and it took me forever to get back on this grind, but I just haven't been feeling myself the past couple weeks. And so I said, you know what? I have to get back on that mic and I have to speak my mind and I have to express myself. Whether it's good or bad, I just need to express myself. And I need to express my thoughts to sort them out. And uh, I'm glad you guys are here to listen. I hope you guys can take something from this. Uh, I hope you guys can um, at least draw some inspiration to think, think more freely and be more open to things that you didn't think were possible or things that you don't that scare you too if you're scared of something then you should probably address it and you should probably think you know what why do i have this fear inside me and you should get that fear out of you whether that's through expression or whatever else you're afraid of because really fear is just lack of expression in my mind
it's a uh, it plagues us all and it always will but i like i was saying it's just expression i think we love the things we fear most in reality and we're drawn to them so whatever you're afraid of get out of your comfort zone and chase it all right chase that bag if you want to make a lot of money don't feel bad about it if you don't want to make a lot of money don't feel bad about it but never be afraid and uh i'm gonna sign off thank you guys again for listening happy holidays good night